0: I'm Alan McGuire And I'm Sarah
1: Griffin
0: And this is Juvenalia A podcast where we talk to an interesting person About a bit of pop culture That was important to them When they were young Uh, Today we have one of the topics That people always say to us How have you not covered this topic yet? Well we're finally doing it We're finally doing the Princess Bride Aoife Barry Welcome back
2: Thank you so
0: much I'm so excited to do this I kind of so was, I forgot we haven't done, haven't done it. Yeah, it's wild that we haven't. Because We're like 180 episodes in. Wow! Oh, wow! I presume it, seems like it should have been episode five or six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
2: presumed. I was like googling when you were asking me about what we wanted to talk about, and I was like, have they done this? What? Oh, like which was your original?
1: Which was your original episode, Efa? What was your subject that it you did was initially? Jeff.
2: It was Jeff Buckley.
1: Oh my mm. God! It was Jeff yeah. Buckley. God, that was quite yeah. a while ago. That was it's great to have you ago. back. That
2: was 2019, 2018. It was,
0: it was 2020 because it was one of the very last things we recorded in it person. Was, before
1: really? It was. It was back down. in the
0: old yeah, Tall yeah. Tales
1: Studio. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, that was a good wow. day. That really, that
2: wow. really sticks out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, up mm. the up yeah. those
1: lovely flights of stairs yeah. and in that old attic studio. Like, what a yeah. different time that was. I know. Um So Here thank you for are. coming back and thank you for bringing a banger.
2: Um, delighted, delighted. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. so for anybody
0: who does not know what the princess bride is what is the princess bride
2: oh wow um so it's a film uh it's based on a book written by william goldman um who i believe is a screenwriter as well but he don't think he wrote the screen uh play for this um william goldman is the author anyway of the book that this is based on and it is an intriguing film and book because it's like a A romance, like a swashbuckling romance, but it's within a greater story of this swashbuckling romance is being told in the film to a young child who's kind of off sick from school, kind of pretending he's sick, really. And his granddad is reading out the story to him. And this young boy is really resistant to hearing about this story because he's reading the the original book in the in the film um because he thinks it's a kissing story and he doesn't like kissing stories um and and the dad uh, is peter falk or so the granddad is peter falk who is colombo who is just i just love him i just deeply love mm-hmm. <laughs> peter falk um so his yeah, energy is just impeccable it's just every, incredible every time up, yeah it is he's yeah. just so good so he plays the granddad reading the story of the princess bride to the young son who is fred savage from the wonder years um who was a young boy and what's unusual about the story is that you get the story of um, Princess Buttercup and Wesley and their love story which I'm sure we'll go into and it's a real swashbuckling romance and it's like there's highs and lows and there's deaths and there's drama and there's an amazing cast of characters and it's filled with a load of people who are really, really famous now or are really familiar faces to us now and it's got really iconic lines that even if you haven't seen the film you will definitely have heard somebody say at least once Um, but what's interesting is that um you don't just get the dad and the sorry, the granddad, I keep saying dad, the granddad and, and the grandson at the start and the end, but you get them in the middle, it breaks through at one point as well. It kind of breaks back to them, which is interesting. But it's it's just such a lovely film for all the family. It's a real family film. It you know, I think adults will get a huge amount out of it, but there's not too much you know adult jokes that are put in there just for the adults you know um it's all about the love story and it's all about the action and in some ways it's very simple because it follows um the typical way that a romance would would go like the dramatic action and all that sort of stuff um or an action romance would go but in other ways it's it's really quirky and really weird and strange mm. um and i think it makes some really yeah. strange
0: choices in the second half of the film which we'll get into it does. But yeah
2: yeah so i don't know if that, hopefully that explains the story for everybody but it if, they have, if they haven't watched it already it's
0: definitely as you said it was a film that i was i didn't see it I was in my 20s i think but it was a film that i was definitely aware of as quotes yeah well before i'd seen it and as um pam from the office's favorite film as well. Oh
2: right, okay. I've only seen like yeah, three yeah. episodes of The Office of the American Office, mm-hmm. so please forgive me on that one. But I'll eventually get to no. the bit where she says that. Or is it the English one? There is or American.
0: Uh, no, the American one. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a bit where like they're like listener to their top five favorite films, and one of hers is Princess Bride, and Jim's current girlfriend has never heard of it, and her favorite film is The Notebook, and you're like, oh well, obviously. Ham is the one because she likes the yeah. Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sarah is wagging her finger. <laughs> <laughs> I've I also saw never seen the Notebook.
1: Really. Um, have seen it yet? And I only saw Princess <laughs> Bride for the first time this morning, so um, I'm late on the late on the wagon for sure. I personally cannot get over the fact that they straight called the Princess Buttercup astonishing choice. Love it.
2: Yeah. Like it's so mm-hmm. like falls into its own hilarious traps in a really beautiful way. Like it's it's so all the stereotypes and tropes around these sort of stories are like wonderfully played with in it. Mm -hmm. Princess Buttercup and uh, the farmhand called Wesley, not Wesley, Wesley Wesley with a T. I don't know why. With a T. They are I think like a lot of...
1: Like they're both beautiful and healthy and vitalic. And like they also both look like people, which is something that I go back to a lot with films from this period. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, they're both obviously astonishing looking, but they both look like normal people as well which yeah. I, I love about films from this time and i love about films where everything hasn't got that awful gauzy modern yeah. effect on it like that that cgi skin on things they just yeah. look like people who are very healthy with nice skin
2: yeah they really do they're just so they're perfect they're just so beautiful and i forgot to say that it's in it's made in 1987 the director mm-hmm. is Rob Reiner who people will know from When Harry Met Sally um, he is and also uh, um, Spinal Tap this is Spinal Tap he did that as well so he is like a bit of an icon in, in cinema particularly in films for like our generation where like he just made really mm-hmm. he's always made really good films that like down the test of time and are in different genres Um, but he's really good on on humour I think within within all the mm-hmm. films Um, so that's I think why a lot of why this film is really good because he is part of it and they wanted to make the film uh, version of this book for ages and there's all different people trying to make it at one point Francois Truffaut wanted to make it Um, but eventually Rob Reiner was the one Um, who got to make it I think Norman Lear got to uh, help him out with it so it's an interesting story of how it got made as well
1: the way the truth Princess Bride would have destroyed me, like I know. Can you imagine what
2: you've done? Just unbelievable! It's
1: so like that's mm, exquisite, exquisite cocktail of of <laughs> things. That's very, very strong taste wise. Yeah. So when did this? When did you see this for the first time? Mm.
2: So it would have been when I was a kid. I'm not too sure mm. if it was in 1987. I don't think it was because I was only about like three or four then, and too young to be watching this film but it did the the film um did did okay at the box office but it became a cult hit once it was released on um video on VHS which obviously was a thing that could really happen back then in a way that doesn't really happen as much now maybe we kind of have cult streaming films I suppose um so it makes sense then that like I would have got it a few years late because also when you think about it and again this is gonna sound kind of old for people who are like in their 20s listening to this but like a film would come out in the cinema and then it wouldn't be on videotape for like a year it felt afterwards yeah. um, and if it was an American film you could be waiting ages to, to get things so
0: Oh, so yeah. it could be up to a year before it gets over to the cinema here and yeah exactly year, and then your video. another year yeah. video.
2: like what yeah.
1: <laughs> so and it would also be in the video store it. for years it would also be yeah. there like so you might pick it up mm. two or three years after it existed and never know that it was there so exactly. there was this sort of um myopia like it was only you only really knew things existed that were in front of you and you might pick up princess bride five years after it was out and be like oh yeah
2: yeah and know. i you know i love that because i feel like um slightly off topic, but on, on the topic and, and I think related to, to you, Sarah, saying that you hadn't seen it yet until until this week, that there's such an obsession with like, I have, you know, people have to have seen everything. And if something's occult, you, ha- you have to know about it. You have to listen to all the albums, watch all the records, read all the books. And you're like, that's actually impossible. And there's something really lovely mm-hmm. in discovering. I love finding an album that came out in 1971. And I'm like, that's the best album I've ever heard. And I, you know, you know, never bothered to check it out before. um. Like, just because I didn't listen to it when I was 15 doesn't mean that it doesn't make, you know, that it doesn't mean as much to me or, or whatever. So um, mm-hmm. I th- maybe that goes back to that time like you're talking about, that we could discover things ourselves because we didn't have the Internet. And we didn't have access to things. So it, that special feeling of discovering it whenever you were ready to discover it. Um, I like that. And I think that that's much nicer mm-hmm. than like knowing everything about everything. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like the Internet burns through stuff really quickly like and then if you haven't watched something in like a week for coming out then you're officially like late to the party and yeah i see people like apologizing for being so late to something for watching like a month after it came out it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter like, <laughs> like
2: i'm so late to barbie it's it came fine. out last weekend you know
0: yeah i watched mission impossible yesterday i was like no one cares about mission impossible now they cared about it yeah when there was like that popcorn meme three weeks ago that was kind of it <laughs> i was like i said i still a good time it's fine
2: yeah i you still know? haven't seen that i hear it's a riot
0: it is actually a lot of fun um it's it's a it's a beautiful face huge film um love those i haven't seen barbie yet so I'll that's
1: 100 percent yeah. a beautiful face huge film for me Lovely. Mm-hmm. um i have not had I, I need three pints to give my opinions on barbie they're mostly positive <laughs> um yeah i like,
2: feel like i i know what you're saying there's a lot yeah, to chew on in it Yeah, a lot to chew yeah, on. Yeah, um, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's Mixed fine news it was fine
2: Makes feelings it was fine. yeah yeah it was yeah fine. <laughs> we'll take it
1: was this off the part but yeah i agree yeah it was, like it was good. a good time um <laughs> yeah. so speaking of beautiful faces writ large um there is a lot of really interesting faces and interesting characters in the princess Bride*. like yeah. something i really liked about it was that they all almost look like illustrations of people <laughs> you know they are from a time when cinema let people just look like people and cast people because they looked compelling Mm. um rather than sort of symmetrical and uh easy uh and this is where my i think i'm convinced this is where my film film people blind face comes from is that i think everyone looks the same um so (laughs) there's something kind of refreshing about how striking everyone in this cast is mm. how they look like they were shaken out of a book they're sort of um, larger than life you know yeah yeah and I think it's literally
2: with under the, literally than yeah, the literally Giant literally with under the Giant yeah and I think I think you're right that like Vizzini Vizzini and, and Fezzik uh, Wallace Shawn um, and under the Giant um, and Danigo Montoya as well um, like they are characters where um they are so you know they're, they're they're so themselves like you know what i mean they're like wallace sean is always really unusual looking you know he's just an intriguing actor he's like amazing actor but he is a, such a character um mm. and and under, under the giant is like a you know a giant like he, he has these huge hands and he's really gentle and at the time he had really bad back problem back problems um and that's why he couldn't carry the scenes in the, in the film where he used to carry uh wesley and buttercup and he actually never carried them they were like suspended or else standing on ramps and stuff there's all these stories around that but they are like really intriguing people and i think that's that's why it's such a nice film to watch because you really feel like each character is distinctly odd and strange in a way that they could only be in in this mm. film if that makes sense and and i'd also felt i don't know if you felt it watching it that even though there's distinct baddies and goodies in, you know, good people and bad people in the film there's also a lot of particularly with with, with Wesley's character how he develops, there is, there's people who are a mix of good and bad or people that you feel a bit sorry for them even though they're a bit bad and I think as a child watching that and realising that characters don't just have to be good or bad they can also be a little bit in in the middle or or maybe mm. have to manipulate how people see them and the people um, can change that really is nice yeah the people can change i think that's really nice like realizing this is intriguing looking people who are strange unusual characters and that there there's more depth to them than like the stuff i must have been watching when i was we'll say seven mm. or eight or whatever when i when i probably eventually got to this this film so I think those two things definitely tie in tie in together i think
0: the um the wesley and inigo montoya sword the start is a, a great example of that the left-handed thing this is you so incredible that's good. so, so good? funny it's so, so good. funny and they're both doing it and but the fact that like inigo is like throwing down the rope has been very sportsmanlike about it and there's yeah. chatting away and it's like
2: oh you're very good you're very talented you're like, oh, okay, this, you know? this film
0: isn't what i think it's going to be yes um, yes correct i don't away, really have yeah. a i don't have a firm handle on what anybody's doing right now because you know we, the best, yeah. well, we, we know that it's it's Wesley like because we're adults but like, <laughs> <'Cause
2: it> like <laughs> but, we, do, but yeah. we don't
0: know that it's it was just a man in black at that time
2: yeah
0: um, but yeah because I okay, Mandy B'denkin's so charming Yes, yeah,
2: sorry yeah, like, Mandy Bidinkan plays Nico Montoya sorry I forgot his, his like, movie, but he's so charming
0: yeah he's just I mean
1: I feel like he's giving it the full um, what's the human this is placed by an, what's the human in Muppets Christmas Carol Michael Caine He's giving it the Michael Caine and Muppet's Christmas Carol. He is selling it. He is giving us the most sincere portrayal of this character, this fencer. Yeah. Like, he is... one. Nobody is... It's not a camp story. Nobody is kind of pissing around. Like, it's yeah. not... It's not carry on up the swashbuckling, you know? But... <laughs> I feel like he he's playing it just a grade more seriously than everybody else. And I don't know why that is. He's got this incredible sincerity in his eyes when he's delivering his whole fucking six-fingered dude. You know what I mean? Like when he's delivering all he that does. stuff. Like he's got something. Something. Some fucking like seriousness about him.
2: You know what I mean? Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And apparently um, his father had passed away before the film, recently before the film was made now this is, again I've read this online so I don't know <laughs> don't always trust the internet, but apparently his father had passed away and that that, like you're saying, came through in his performance because Inigo Montoya, his quest is to find the six-fingered man who killed his father, you know, my name is Inigo and father Inigo Montoya, you killed my father prepared to die um, that is his saying and actually that's what he really felt because he presumably in real life wanted to get rid of whatever killed his father too do you know what I mean mm. so like mm. there must have been such a it must have been such an interesting way to and real way to connect with the character who like you say could have been a little bit
1: camp less but it's not camp, a bit camp. It's, yeah it's not like it's it should be camp and I think there are times where I was watching it where I was like surely this should feel a bit sillier mm.
0: but there are bits where you expect people to wink to camera and they don't right because they're the because char- they're in the book it's real to them it's not real to Fred Savage and the grandfather that's, and it's not real to you that's a good but to them it's real. they're in the book yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't like,
2: think of it that way that's so true
1: because there are elements of the dialogue and of the kind of the way that it's written that like could have been played almost like the way a Monty Python film is but I don't know why my brain kept going back to Monty Python. Oh no, there is definitely big Python vibes in there. Isn't there Python? Like, we we haven't actually done a Monty Python episode of Tiffany.
0: We haven't, you know. I'm not sure Um, we've ever talked about it on this podcast. mm. Um, Especially once Mel Smith turns up and there's and like Peter Cook. Peter Cook, that's a very Monty Python character. The... Yeah, uh, marriage. marriage. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Marriages. That's what it was yeah. that made me thought of it. That's that's absolute sorry,
1: absolutely He's, he's doing a unitary Jones yeah. character essentially, yeah. He fucking is it. Yeah. that's it. He's doing this fucking life of Brian voice or something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But nothing else around him is in that space. Like it's such a strange choice. It's, it works, but it's still like no one else is playing at that frequency and
0: No, they if easily yeah. could be. If they did it now yeah. the, the bits where fred savage interrupts his grandfather the characters would like cut look up at into the sky or like look to the camera or something to yeah. acknowledge interruption right but they don't
1: or even the was bit expecting with like,
0: it i've been trained to expect that but it or doesn't happen the
1: fucking like feeding buttercup to the fucking eels would be mm. stupider than it was but it was actually played the eels quite so seriously stupid, I I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right but it was yeah. again played weirdly seriously right like so there's this sort of all of these instances that could have been played in a cartoonish way just aren't
0: like it's
1: a a, but you're right because it's real to them (laughs) that's exactly the read on it is it's it's real to all of these characters so there's like this there's this distance or something
2: happening if that makes sense Mm. and it treat because because the film treats them seriously because like you're saying they are serious about their lives you know as a viewer you just you get into their world and you you don't judge their world for the the bits that don't maybe make sense or like I mean there's objectively objectively terrible special effects in this the sets are like you're like you're on a sound stage I can see like (laughs) when they're doing you know when Inigo Montoya and Wesley or the well pretend Wesley the Dread Pirate Roberts meet for that scene you're talking about where they do the, the fencing fight and they both had to learn how to fence um which they didn't know how to do before they filmed that um it's on and the set. they both were left
0: and right handed yeah as well. like,
2: hello- like unbelievable that's, that's all so them good. I can't
0: believe that yeah, it's yeah. so
2: good right and they do it on yeah. the set that is like you can see like the bricks at one stage Wesley's pushed back against the bricks and they're like clearly made out of like foam and just like painted
0: you know it's pure like original star trek like a cheap episode i fucking live for
1: that though i -hmm. live for it though i like more of this now i any day would watch a bunch of bricks made of foam over getting (laughs) the visual eye salad of like another exploding city courtesy of a marvel villain you know like yeah. I would rather see something kind of shit that was painted by a person's hands mm. than whatever the fuck we're meant to be looking at now do you know what I mean I have a real yeah. fondness for bad practical effects any practical effects the stand stages are gas they're pure crystal maze like you know yeah. that they're just cardboard <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I still feel more like I am there with them because
2: they're tactile you know, uh, like you're saying, mm. they're ho- like they're they're real, and there's something you can make fun of the fact that they look ridiculous. But like you're saying, they show that like a human was here. Like I was I was watching mm. that new series, um, what uh, fif- fifteen love or something like that. It's like a it's a new series of, uh, with um I, my brain is not functioning this evening. Aidan Turner, <laughs> an Irish the Irish actor's in it. It's a, it's a tennis one, and so a few of the scenes are set in a fake like french open or whatever and it really i kept thinking this is just ai like i'm watching Mm -hmm. you know there's overhead shots and it wasn't like a drone or anything like that it really felt like it was kind of created in some way which is which is fine i mean like i'm I'm not criticizing them for doing it but i could tell my brain knew that this was not real whereas when my brain is looking at that and seeing these hand-painted foam rocks it's like that's cute and it's Somebody made that, and there's a team mm-hmm. standing around watching them, and they all, you know, and maybe now that I'm working inside my head, maybe they knew, maybe it's supposed to look bad because kind of they're yeah, yeah. Highlight- mm. highlighting that this is a fantasy and it is a, a a fake world, you know, and that maybe they don't need to have, you know, really beautiful, you know, real looking sets all the time. Mm.
1: It adds to, to the kind point, of the artifice, yeah. but like they also did yeah. eat two stunt doubles down the side of a cliff as well, which is very, you know, yeah. satisfying to look at—a body falling down a hill. It's like, oh wow, somebody's really,
0: mm.
1: like, whatever stunt or double. Or people actually cliffs as Oof. well.
0: Like, yeah, there's yeah. definitely two people on ropes on one big rope climb up a very. high Those thing cliffs
1: right are called the Cliffs of Insanity. Insanity. Mm-hmm. And Incredible. The of
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Huh?
2: Are they the Cliffs of Moore? Yeah, Cliffs of more. Yeah oh the insanity, though brilliant so literal fantastic
1: <laughs> like, yes. yeah. like just world building like go straight yeah. mm-hmm. to the fucking point it's like the never ending stories the swamp of sadness like mm-hmm. go no nuance here ladies <laughs> we're yeah. we're saying what and we see and then
0: later we have the rats of or rodents of unusual size <laughs> yes. yes
2: the r like, like, you're right they are David.
0: there's clearly a man on all fours but like it's fine it's, it's even like, better look I'm sure he's living yeah.
1: his bliss whoever Christ. he is <laughs> yeah um yeah. You know, I've, and I like the, I feel like if I'd seen it as a kid, uh, Buttercup's dresses would have absolutely blown my mind. Like, stunning. the satin, unbelievable. Like, just so stunning. It's a lovely romance as well. Like, you kind of are rooting for yeah. them, you know?
2: You are. Like, I just, as a kid, loved, and now still do, but particularly, like, love the opening scenes when Buttercup and Wesley... When you, when you get that little sense of how they he's a farm boy and you know so he was saying you know as you wish to everything that, that she asked him to do and she was you know you know, ordering him around and that dynamic of she's the boss and he's just the hot farm boy and then eventually she's everything and he's
1: just Ken you know exactly <laughs> like, she's everything and he's
2: just <laughs> Wesley um, <laughs> script, <laughs> right. um, and I loved his little Little hot looks over, you know, there's a little fringe falling oh, over yeah, the gorgeous. eye. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Oh, oh, look at the chemistry! And he, when you're so young, you don't even know what that is. But you're like, there's something going on between these two beautiful people, and he's so cute, blah blah. And it's just the chemistry that they have because they're both young and hot, and it really and works, it holds up. You know, it holds
1: up throughout. Yeah, and she it really doesn't does. really have a lot to say, but they do put some great. They give her some great dialogue. Like there's a bit towards the end, you know, and sort of after she has been sort of fake married to, to the shit yeah. prince. And, you know, she kind of gives the, the older dude, like, a kiss on the cheek and she's just like, and he's like, what was that for, you know? And, and she's just like, oh, I'm going to commit suicide in my bedroom. <laughs> like, again, to completely sincere delivery. Like, yeah. so, so funny. Like, yeah. so funny. But then when she finds Wesley there, she just, get, she just climbs on him and I'm like, you know what? Buttercup? dead right <laughs> dead right <but laughs> you know, she, she up you go
2: mind like, yeah. like she
1: eats herself over him and I'm like that's actually quite good fair play to you you know And
2: he's very still, funny he's still at that stage where he's not quite fully recovered from being mostly mm-hmm. dead and oh so <laughs> flopping around was, like yeah Yeah, yeah. We probably, we've gone straight to the end of the film already but apologies <laughs> but I was just no, saying, no yeah. she does not really give Buttercup
1: an awful lot to do she sort of just no. mobilised around a bit but her dialogue is yeah. very very dry which yeah. is very 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 funny. Um I don't know how in- how intentionally funny it is, but to me it was very funny, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I did not mean to tip us into the very <laughs> end to be like it just occurred to me that uh she was uh just <laughs> aggressively being like I'm going to go and kill myself. Like just very very funny.
2: It's so uh, it's so dark. Well, it's it's um I loved that like you were saying Wesley starts off as this like you know young farm boy and then he kind of goes off to uh, go on his own adventure she thinks he's she thinks he's dead and when he when we see him on screen as the audience and we see that the man in black who claims to be dread pirate dread pirate Roberts it's so obvious that like it's not him but you kind of want to believe that you know, it's so obviously it is Wesley, and it's not this new character. But you kind of want to believe the whole time that it is. I felt like that anyway when I was remember first watching it. That like you want to believe in the, in the hoodwinked kind of um the way that he's carrying on, even though it's really really obvious. And you do wonder why nobody seems to why she doesn't seem to notice that it's actually the guy she was madly. But looking. he has a little mustache. He does. He someone. has a mustache, and he has yeah. a light a light um yeah eye cover, but um his journey is his journey Wesley's journey um, mm. is, is an interesting one because he turns he goes from this like young farm boy who's bossed around to him actually kind of bossing Buttercup around and being really really mean to her when they first meet at the top mm. of that when they're on the top of that uh, slope that they end up he's a, down. a little bit
0: inselly. there he is a bit, a bit of cliff. Yeah, yeah
2: he is so I thought that was that's the moment when I kind of slightly turned against him for a bit, but then he charmed charmed me back. But I thought that was it. That was interesting. That idea that like back in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, you could certainly have characters like him who were like real dickheads to to mm-hmm. women, and maybe yeah. it didn't read as badly to some people as it did. No, just just author it did to me as a kid anyway.
0: For all he knew, when he was fi- like finding that cliff, he was saying his last words, and his last words were "as you wish." Mm. So. That's nice. I think that's yeah. a nice... That redeems kind him of? a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think it's... The film kind of puts Cari Elwes in an unfair position because I don't think there is... It's possible to write a better character for someone who looks and acts like Cari Elwes does.
2: Yeah. Like there really was nowhere bit. for him to
0: go except for, like, we did Robin Hood, Prince of, uh, Men and Tights, Tights, which yeah. again is broader parody, but, like, it's essentially... Wesley again, um, but he's so good. Um, I don't know if they had anybody else in mind for that, but I think he said like he had he had read the book as a child and he'd been obsessed with the book and stuff, so like he was like very excited about it. And you can you can tell he's kind of he's lived with it for a while. He knows he knows that character inside out. He feels he's yeah. like jumped around on his bed, Pretending. fighting uh, Inigo Montoya like as a child with a with a wooden <laughs> sword himself, you know.
2: Yeah, because he was so new to the industry, relatively speaking, in terms of being Mm. on the big screen. And maybe not, like, theatre and things like that. But, you and also, he's English, but spent a lot of time living in America. I think his family... Were in between the two I think I did read the book he wrote a book about the making of the Princess Bride um, mm. which is really entertaining Um, which I read and I seem to have forgotten a lot of but I do remember it being very entertaining but he goes into <laughs> a lot of that those early days of you know being cast and things and yeah I did wonder if like you're suggesting there he his career maybe suffered a little bit because he was so perfect for Wesley that you kind of can't imagine him doing anything else and he's so like that Errol Flynn kind of character and that's not really the type of character that really crops up in many films like you know that is an old school that that's an old school character that is in princess bride because it is a parody almost of that kind of film so like
1: Mm. we're not exactly living in the golden age of swashbuckling movie like that's a really good point like you've got like you know like yeah we should bring him back people love jack sparrow like i mean yeah like that that guy but also you know people really enjoyed watching like charismatic sword gentlemen Mincing around, like, could well be overdue our time for kind of a renaissance
0: of Bring the sound. It's just more l- more long shots of two very talented men sword fighting each other.
1: It's dancing, really, isn't it? You it know. is,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, it was a long very scene. Dancing. Like, they are at it for a while. Though.
0: Long shots as well, yeah, like, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. And they're chatting away,
2: you know? They're very chill while doing this really dangerous thing because they feel like you they're just, kind of like, impressed like... by each other, mm. even yeah. though,
1: like, That sword fight is one of sort of three trials that Wesley as Dread Pirate Roberts in that sort of mode has to pass through to get to Buttercup. You know, he's got the test of the of fucking quickness. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Then eating rocks around with Andre the Giant and uh, the head-to-head with uh, Vassini. Yeah, and he, in and and his very inconceivable, and his very uh, sudden just departure from the scene by just toppling over and then simply never appearing again, like that it's very good.
2: Ge- yeah, I, think I actually had a t- I had a T-shirt genius. at that scene. Oh really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it was done as like an old point and click like monkey island type thing yeah where you were like and like the options were like pick your cup pick for cup and they're all done as pixels I was very happy as it 24 that's great that's very, <laughs> cool. that's very cool that's neat
2: yeah. I, I like it that scene though is mm. one of the best scenes like maybe ever um <laughs> in a film of this type no it's just so good because like it's so cleverly done uh, you get the real like while Sean is, is just so perfect because he's this like self satisfied person who's like you're never going to best me and you actually kind of do get a little bit fooled because you think for a moment oh maybe you know Dread Pirate Roberts is going to be um, is going to be a victim of, of this guy's plan and when uh, Vizzini takes the, the drink out of the out of the, the poisoned chalice and starts laughing and then midway through the laugh just like topples over it's just such a Brilliant release, kind of in his in his death mm-hmm. of like this this slightly slightly tense um, slightly tense moment. But I I love the way the the film like you can really see the structure of like they go here and this happens and they go here and this happens and this is the like turning point and like you know it's very distinct you know um in terms of bringing you on a journey as you go on the mm-hmm. journey with um with Wesley as he tries to tries to rescue Buttercup and I always loved that that whole bit where you have andre the giant and and the rocks trying to trying to kill him and then you have that but where mazzini tries to kill him and it's really enjoyable that he like keeps escaping because you're like maybe they'll get him at the next one Mm -hmm. even though you kind of know that like he has to get to the end of the film um yeah so i I really love those
1: but it's also really lovely Mm -hmm. that they he doesn't just sort of burn through the two characters that they come back and that they have that lovely heel turn and they look they're not just sort of prop obstacles for him yeah. to get through it's such an ensemble story it's not yeah. really just about Wesley and Buttercup it's about all of them and that's mm. I think what makes it stand out that like it's not just a story of hero and love interest it's the whole gang is here mm. which is it's a nice team-
0: teamwork
2: it's lovely yeah I, you're so right
0: that's about. why Vecini has to die because like he would have been in the way and, he would have been in and Montoya the they both respected the Man in Black
2: yeah.
0: Phys- like, yes Uh well, Sean didn't, and that's why he had to die. Like later on, they go, "Actually, you no, know could help us. That guy in black, remember him? Yeah. He was really good. We'll get him." You know, um, I was reading the book, and, and I've I've read the book a very long time ago. I don't remember much of it, but in the book, each chapter is a location, which really helps with making oh, the film go on because okay. you you're, you're not staying anywhere for very long. You just keep going and going and going and going and
2: going, It
0: really helps with the film. Yeah. the main thing i remember from the book is that there's a bit because the the whole book is like it's called like the good parts of the princess bride and it's the thing is that he's like translated it and taking out all the bits he doesn't like and isn't interested in which is all the like apparently the 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 actual book's supposed to be like three times the size and a political satire and all this is just in the margins of it so there's bits where he's like the next three chapters are mostly about taxation in florin we're going to skip those and it's like on on we go it's really funny it's really well done yeah
2: (laughs) that is so clever and that's why the film i suppose is so good isn't it because it gives you it takes its cues and obviously from the book itself but it's that idea where Mm. you're really just getting like all the meat on the bones like you're getting exactly all the entertaining stuff he's done the job in the book which makes it easier for them doing doing, writing the script for it that like it's just like all the good bits no boring stuff um Mm -hmm. good baddies good goodies good people in the middle uh really clear arc all that sort of stuff that they talk about when they I've never written a script for a film but this is what they talk about when you read about writing scripts um it's so it's so clever and that's why it's so satisfying I think as a viewer that you get all the little things that you want in a film you get the lovely nice ending you get the moments of peril and by the end you're like you feel really good because everything has worked out just as you hoped it would but you got enough tension to feel like maybe it wouldn't quite work out and that to me Mm -hmm. is like the ideal viewing experience
1: and that nice meta device is a little bit like. Uh, sorry, I was still thinking of Neverending Story because of the swamp stuff. Um, but
2: in <laughs> the similar era too, those early similar ages as era, well, 19, it? Yeah. 1988. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that child with book
1: hanging frame mm. is is the same approach as Neverending Story. Only Neverending Story kind of takes it to a sort of a slightly different level and is has less sort of ironic distance and is much more like sincerely like about the book being real and like the cycle of storytelling yeah. as opposed to this nice relationship between a grandfather and, and his and his grandchild and the sort of uh, hesitancy that the kid has with the story which kind of reassures the audience that like don't worry it's only the good best we're just going to do all the good this isn't a kissing story there's going to be yeah. excitement <laughs> along the way Um, so I like those two different angles on the same approach you know mm. they're sort of like twin texts I think yeah you know
2: yeah i hadn't yeah i hadn't thought of that film in ages but you're so right like they they're it's heavy i tiny, watched it on an aeroplane yeah. recently uh,
1: would, yeah, uh like I, I mean it was a childhood favorite of mine but i i hadn't rewatched yeah. it in years and i watched it on a plane and just bawled for the whole thing it was just oh completely gosh. inconsolable um scores, scores, is very very sad um so whereas this one isn't sad this
2: is no, kind of fun it's, it's kind of fun and
1: yeah. uh sharp you know
2: yeah very, which goes into that Monty Python humor thing, edge mm. of it, and and what you're talking talking about, and there's people involved in it who are involved typically with comedy, like Christopher Guest. Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of his character, but he plays a particular. Oh, he's six fingered man. He's plays yeah. a particularly evil person. Oh, like and the
1: royal he, advisor. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, He's a
2: guy who who killed and he got Monty's father, and he Christopher Guest. You know, is like a comedy actor. He's like somebody that you see in mockumentaries he was in This is Spinal Tap and to see him in this role as like a properly evil person is He doesn't get any jokes so really enjoyable. in this at all No yeah, he's yeah. so he's really like just bad bad man
0: He's like the the baddest of bad guy I would say just someone who's a pure bad guy it's him Yeah. because the yeah. prince is just weak He's a soft and kind of evil because of weakness but like Christopher Guest is like does he you say he's not a student of pain is what he says at some point
1: that's an incredible oh. line. Is that when he tortures yeah. Wesley? Right yeah, then? yeah. When they he's torture, doing yeah.
0: research. Yeah, yeah. And the
1: other thing that he says is he, when he's dealing with him, um, uh, Mandy Potemkin, um, is that he's just like, oh, you came all the way here. You know, yeah. is this the fucking journey you've been on? That's sort of mocking him. I was like, so oh, this is, this is quite kind of elevated oh. cruelty in what is otherwise a kind of a romp. You know, Hmm. so I think including that sort of stuff is again, it just makes it a weird. The whole thing has this really unusual tone that I can't quite put my finger on because it's not camp, it's not full python, it's not fully sincere either. It's something else,
0: Hollywood python, I guess, would be maybe
1: it's American python. Yeah, yeah. the two
0: people who actually die are Christopher Guest and Vasini, who are both the people who like don't respect the characters like the prince does realize like these are better people than me and i'm outnumbered and the other two remain like they're both cruel to the end both of them yeah they're pure
2: baddies like and the audience cruelty is is punished
0: yeah 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 that's a really good
2: point it's a nice world it's like the world they live in
1: they have an australia they have a sicily
2: (laughs) it's our world you know it's they just their
1: Harris world well, they have
0: yeah. a paris they know? have a billy crystal <laughs> they do yeah. let's talk
2: about billy crystal and carol Kane. they're, they're they so funny Max. they are just they're having so a great time good. it's
0: just they just so dropped good. like a marx Butter scene into the middle of it just for the hell of it just and near the end as well it's like it, they why come not? out of yeah, nowhere
2: you know yeah. all those prosthetics incredible <laughs> that's, that's they're so good apparently they improv a lot of it um mm. I'm sure. I mean, it's kind of—it's not that long a scene, but there's they, the they one Harry and Sally yeah. connection, Billy Crystal. Exactly, <clears throat> <laughs> exactly, um, and that's—I think that's just such a great scene because, as well, poor—you're at the point where poor Wesley is dead to, well, mostly dead, as um as Billy Crystal's character uh, Mir- Miracle Max says, and you're really like—that's the moment of peril. Really, we're like, oh no, like this is like the film isn't over yet, and like, how's Wesley dead? What the hell's going to happen? Um, and in solving that problem you get these completely bizarre characters who are so funny little double act and you're just kind of like what, what, what's happening here <laughs> but yeah. you just kind of like they live in a tree I don't understand what's going there's on there's almost um, a so good.
1: moment for moment double of that scene in Ending Story
2: really I, know, I yeah. think just copy Princess Bride with we the need to have an investigation with into with this with two yeah.
0: very
1: heavily prosthetic kind of weird old freaks who are nursing someone back to health.
0: Almost. In, I was so like...
1: And, and late in the story as well. So there, just on the symmetry note, I was mm-hmm. when that happened, I was like, that is kind of funny. That and is. And the book came out
0: in 1975, so we're going to give it to the Princess Bride this Give one. it to them. I'm so, not saying... Oh, yeah, yeah. Th- it's
1: all good. I'm not like who's copying <laughs> who. I'm more just... I love a bit of symmetry. I love when things mm-hmm. kind of hold together in a way that you could watch them as sort of comparable texts. Yeah. And like... Mm-hmm i i loved i loved it i was just like oh more weird little guys a weird little couple who are kind of bickering again like that's it must have been just something that was in the ether in at the, the ether, time yeah you yeah. know um yeah. uh loved it though love billy chris that- and anything
2: yeah, because it, it reminds me of, like, a little bit later than that period, but not too much later after that. You would have a series, like, Mad About You and stuff like that, which would have been series just about kind of slightly odd mm. couples. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that we have this we do like th- that kind of dynamic of, of kind of weird couples we get so many of those kind of uh, sitcoms about that and it mm. kind of makes sense that that's like an uh, that's and what, like is, a, what a were harry, and, harry and sally if not a weird couple
1: yeah. yeah i mean they you know? are
2: truly weird but we, we believe that they but perfect yeah, 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 yeah. or george's
0: parents in seinfeld yeah. oh my god yeah. yes yeah
2: Absolutely, even just all of Seinfeld's just a weird, yeah. thru- weird throuple, little sociopathic yeah. pals. Um, mm. Love them. What I yeah. love
0: about um, Miracle Max's solution is that it turns Wesley into this like, even though he's back, he's not. He's not the lead anymore. He's like a slapstick <sighs> character for the rest yeah. of the film. The like the biggest laugh I I had watching it last night was. Um, when they try to like do a hands in all for one thing behind the wall and Wesley has to like swing his hand up, but it does a perfectly straight arc and lands on their hands. It's an amazing bit of physical comedy. Um I want a gif of it. I need to watch it over and over again. That was amazing.
2: I love when um and, I was just could say I love when that just before that I think it is when they're up um when they're looking down over the the castle the mm. three of them and it's actually when Wesley wakes up yeah and um it he realizes he can't at that point keep his head kind of focused and under the giant yeah. keeps with his huge hand like moving his head <laughs> pulling his head back up and like his hand is the size of like three heads um and it's just, mm. so it's but he does it in a really tender way they're <laughs> like also comfortable with each other and, yeah yeah it's really cute
0: like Wesley is like resting his head on in Inigo Montoya's shoulder at one point there as yeah. well in that bit and it's all very sweet Just so um, I've read Rob Reiner used to have like big like family dinners for the cast and stuff <sighs> which helped everybody like be all friends and get to know each other and stuff which I like think is nice I think it shows think yeah it's, it's yeah feels, I think it does show it does yeah. feel like Maybe.
1: a movie with a bunch of people who all kind of get each other in it like there is mm-hmm. a kind of a a sense of these people all exist in the same world you know yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It feels like a big family, totally. And it feels like you wouldn't get what you got with, say, like, Gwyneth were being like, was I in that Marvel movie? I turned up on set one day. Yeah. Turns out I am. Like, you're not going to get that with somebody in the Princess Bride. Yeah. I kind of feel like having read about this film and When Harry Met Sally and just reading about Rob Reiner, I feel like if I could, like, you know... Be like born again. It would be like just somebody who got to star in one of his films and experience what it must mm. be like making those films at that period of I mean, time. With an you, like. you have the
1: perfect hybrid of Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner. Like what? Like, like we will thing. simply never see the like again. Are you what you won't? Like, like, like we like literally never. Like good luck, you know. Oh, no. There's a real tonal quality, and I I kind yeah. of feel like Spinal Tap has a kind of a sisterhood. With Princess Bright. like yeah. there is a kind of a, like if not a sisterhood, at least cousins, you know.
0: Yeah, I oh, Billy Crystal is in Spinal Tap, so isn't he? Briefly. Oh,
1: I forgot that. And okay, they it, also yeah. have that silliness and that sharpness yeah. of dialogue. Yeah. Well, obviously, while while Spinal Tap freewheels straight into camp and, and silliness, I just I feel like. I get, I get the connective tissue. I, I see it, you know.
2: I, I feel like yeah, and I I think that, as you're saying, I'm thinking that like, those films, and maybe it's down to the director and and like everybody else involved or everybody, they like trust the viewer to enjoy the silliness of it in a really nice way without like mocking the silliness of it, and that like, Mm -hmm. they know there's something, there's something so enjoyable when something is just really kind of silly. And uh, isn't mocking a person in a in a bad way? Isn't like somebody isn't the butt of the joke? It's just a lovely, gentle silliness. Oh, sorry, I dropped my water bottle. A lovely, gentle silliness. Um, because the absurd is it's funny. <laughs> like we love it. But like doing it, doing it. Um, often it happens at the expense of somebody else. And when it doesn't, like in these films, when it's at the expense of the the characters, but in a nice way. I think that's really lovely. I think there's something about those films, maybe that that's part of what there's a tone that connects them. There's a kind of a hard
1: to point at tone that just feels really pleasant. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's not that they're toothless. Like I said, some of the best, most wild lines of dialogue are like quite kind of (laughs) dark. Yeah, you know, it's definitely not toothless, but it feels like it's not pointing the wrong way or something like the humor is like it's possible to strike that perfect note of like we're not quite going down the neutered parks and recreation direction of things yeah but you also know where you're pointing your weaponry so Mm -hmm. to speak and everyone is equally equipped or something yeah like it's not mean and shitty but it's also not twee and, like, yeah, this film should be twee, but it isn't. That's yeah, it's it, so weirdly weird, like, on
2: twee, and it's it's funny to think about like that if the, these types of films were around in the eighties, and then if you fast forward to like our teenage years where you had like American Pie and things like that, which I know is, like mm. a completely different film in many ways, but is a comedy film that is something that, you know, uh, was a phenomenon and was hugely popular, which led on then to things like Superbad and all those kind of, like, th- those styles of, of comedy and those styles of films, which are, like, massively popular. And that um, And that they're so different to this. Yeah, yeah, they're so different to this sensibility of a soft, yet not, like, twee, or not, like, weak humour, and yet... Though, yeah, like, not, like still,
1: know, within, like, still dark and yeah. still, like... Kind of shocking at times, but mm. no, and still, and it's still kind of horny. Do you know what I mean? It's still, yeah. it's, not, it's not quite a full sex comedy, but it is like about Wesley and Buttercup staring at each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not chaste really either do you know what i mean it, it, yeah. it has a real kind of liminality to it it's like in between all these things yeah. but it never goes too far in any directions like for a while because of the costumes and the kind of sets and and the people that we were running around i did have like carry on the carry on movies in my head and i was like oh is this just like carry on up the fucking pirate ship like what is this do you know what i mean like so it has all of these little references but it never goes that far never goes too far in any direction it's just sort of tonally really a really sweet spot but then later on as time progresses where we enter into a period of full sex comedy and uh which has its merits at times but is also from a period which jokes are hung on homophobia and Mm. you know like our Crueler or something. You're kind yeah. of entering into the grand South Park years, where everyone's gags were mm-hmm. kind of meaner. I'm not saying some of them weren't funny; they fucking were. But yeah. by and large, the tone that that left in, in into the culture was just kind of harsh.
2: Yeah, and you and, know, and that if I think, it, like, obviously, it's all a matter of taste. You know, ah, yeah, absolutely. This the is... other thing not Would it's also
1: like subjective you know what I mean it's really
2: true but if, I feel like if you I, I feel like you're right about like the how that humor developed into the kind of 90s early 2000s where you were kind of maybe expected not to give out about that sort of humor because you looked a bit like a art you know you, you looked yeah exactly and yet I feel like probably like veering over but I feel like if you knew what it was like to be the butt of, of of a joke, then you would understand why that was not very nice humor, you know? And it's so it's nice to have humour that's that the butt of the joke is a, a really evil guy who kills someone's dad, and so it's really easy to like hate that person as opposed to it's like morally straightforward, It's morally straightforward. Is what <laughs> it is. Exactly. It's not I like, love
1: to <laughs> not have to think yeah. very hard. Yeah. Again, it's not that it's not dark humour. It is yeah. fucking dark. But it's just not the kind of shitty d- does this make sense am i i don't know i'm no. not like i'm not that person. comparing talking.
0: apples and oranges to so comparing like an yeah. 18s teen sex comedy oh. and a pg i don't know kids how I got oh, yeah. this, I is <laughs> this is my
2: fault for starting that off i just kept i just kept thinking about but
0: i'm trying to think even, about what you know, the actual like 2000s analogs do- were yeah that's the
2: and i wonder if on. maybe
0: there wasn't that kind of stuff made that it was like <laughs> maybe films like there was kids films was adult films yeah yeah
2: I do think it's just different, I mean any cinephiles listening to this are probably like you know, writing strongly worded letters that giving out what I just the what compared yeah. but no but so I, don't I write think me letters. But, it, but it's more like, I suppose it. isn't it interesting to to chart the, de- chart the changes in the film industry because those are mm. these sorts of films which are like not big massive budget films but were still you know very popular films that had a decent budget um, played in a lot of theaters people they're beloved they get, they had time to grow mm-hmm. and for people to fall in love with them and they became you know princess bar was a cult film wasn't supposed to be this big blockbuster and we're in such a different era now where you don't really you have a totally different industry in hollywood you don't get these kind of films we were lucky to have them and we had like this you know our blockbusters were often like steven spielberg films which are like mm-hmm. really similar in some ways to this this kind of these kind of films too um and it's just interesting to to, to see how just humour, I suppose, has evolved. And It's not that it's, like, bad necessarily that it evolved a certain way. Mm. But it makes it stand out, I suppose, for its softness in a world where you don't really, these days, get a lot of softness around humour. Um, uncomplicated humour. Um, so I suppose it's more... Does that... I don't even know. That makes sense in It does, way, I think. I way. think it
1: does. It's a really Reflection. tricky thing to nail Reflection. down. Because without being like, I want everything to feel political and soft or i can't yeah, laugh at it it's not which, what i mean at all like, no yeah. obviously none of us yeah. mean that it yeah. just it's more like the precision of it to be mm. able to be dark and funny without it's allowed to be
0: itself yeah it, do- it yeah. doesn't feel like it doesn't have to like doesn't have to wink it doesn't have to yeah reference some tiktok that you'll have forgotten about by the time it comes to streaming yeah. the, you know and none of that it's just it's allowed to create a world and inhabit it without nodding to anything else exactly yeah. and so i don't think you're really allowed to do much anymore yeah. yeah and
2: i think that's why when films do that like i'm thinking of again a film that's, that is very different to this but maybe think a bit about a combination of what we're talking about here. something like game night where you have a film that like doesn't have like mm. existing ip is a is a comedy has darkness to it all the characters are great you don't feel like anybody's like really the butt of a joke and the people that are mm-hmm. the butt of a joke you underst- you understand why but also there's a kind of sensitivity around it i think mm-hmm. that's why those kind of films are just really really enjoyable because they're kind of uncomplicated but they manage to combine you know interesting yeah. ideas and they're fresh and stuff and we don't the way things are at the moment we probably don't get a, a, an awful lot of those kind of
0: game night is such a great it's comparison like, like a it's game night <laughs> princess bride film. double bill that's that's my ideal plane journey. Right yeah. In, te- in terms of that <laughs> yeah. kind of really, st- yeah.
1: really solid level humor, this is a bit different. But like something that I always think of is w- watching something where everyone in it is slagging each other mm-hmm. the whole time, but it never feels like the scales is tipped. Is Dairy Girls?
2: Oh yes. Because yeah. they're all
1: equipped with the exact same artillery, which is calling each other fuckers or stupid or they have like a very small set of keywords that they all use and nobody and it's kind of like an equal fight to the death yeah do you know what i mean yeah so they are slagging each other all the time but it feels like they all have the same equipment to do it with
2: yeah so balanced battle
1: completely balanced battle and nobody ever comes out of it looking any better than anybody else but even though they're all being consistently cruel to each other you know, yeah. like, yeah. and I think it's that like, it takes a lot of skill, like a lot of skill to pull that off, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely. To be able and to
1: I... generate conflict without like reproducing discourses of fucking bad oh. vibes or whatever. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and it, and it, I think that I think we're covering so much base here, which I really love because I'm like, <laughs> this is, it's great when one film leads you down loads of roads, but it makes me think of, I'm going to go down another road that you're like, oh God, this is another apple or an orange. Um, when t- people talk about different types of comedy and what you can and can't say in comedy, and I always feel like, well, you can actually make a joke about anything, but if there's somebody at the butt of that joke that you're kicking down on, that's when you have a problem. But a really good comedy can actually literally make fun of the darkest of topics, but in a way where nobody's the butt, the butt of the joke or whatever. And like, i I mean this film doesn't have much much that necessarily in it but i think it does make you think about what's possible with um with comedy and where it can go and how like you don't have to be a complete like dickhead about people to make to make fun of anything or to discuss a really dark topic that is my completely going down because it's what we're talking about
1: but but that goes back to it being all self-contained yeah they're living these characters are just living their lives do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's such a little bottle. It's a bottle within a movie. So, like, the way everything op- it operates, you c- you kind of get the metatextuality of it, right? Because yeah. all the sharp things they say to each other are written down in a book. They're authored. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, like, there is that nice little... it just got lots of layers. For something that is very, very simple, it's also lovely and layered and complex as well. Do you know?
2: Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't expect it would lead us to what we're talking about now, but it makes sense that it did lead us to the, all, all of that mm. discussion because you could write off the film like as just a kind of a, a film that you know a nineteen eighties kind of swashbuckling romp, but like there's, that's there's not we're to here.
1: That's not what we're here to do. It's not <laughs> no. what we're here to do. No way.
0: Okay, I think we I think we solved it. We solved it. <laughs> we did it. Solved comedy. Uh, solved the film. Everything t- solved it. Yes. Thank you so much Aoife. Thanks, Aoife. please plug anything you want to plug tell people where they can find you all that end of podcast stuff
2: well thanks to anybody who's who stuck with us to the end of the conversation i know we brought you down some very interesting paths but like that's juvenilia you can talk about whatever you want which is why i really enjoy um, coming on here um i i've got a book called social capital um if people are into the internet and social media and have complicated feelings about how we behave online and they want to have you know a think and a read about people's experiences on the internet good and bad um you can pick that up literally in all good bookshops which I've always dreamed of saying um, now I can <laughs> finally say it about a book I've written um you might notice a very familiar name in it as well um one Sarah Cousin, uh, features in it too very very kindly spoke to me for the book so that's that's great as well just got some really great interviews in it um I have a newsletter called Sweet Oblivion on Substack I think it's sweetoblivion.substack.com and i'm trying to spend less time on social media after writing a book about it but i'm on uh, instagram and twitter at Sweet Oblivion, 26 but you'll also find my writing in irish independent irish times um sunday business post um or business post as it's, it's called now rt i'll pop up in the radio and stuff like that too Ooh. that's me
0: sarah where
1: can we find you hello i'm still on twitter or x or whatever we're doing right now until oh, the yeah. bitter end the bitter end uh apologies if my voice has been a little bit funny during this podcast god i just had a tooth taken out so sounds weird feels weird um you can find me on twitter at grifsky you can find me on um instagram at sarah grifsky uh, and the clock app also at sarah grifsky and um, other words for smoke and swearing vampires, parts are my first two novels and you can find them in all good bookstores. and uh i will i know i keep saying i'll have news soon um but i literally will like we just have to figure out when we're allowed to talk about it so there will be more more news regarding future fiction things very shortly um that's it for me al what do you think what about you
0: i I am alan underscore mcguire on twitter i think that's when i'm on blue sky as well i think i might be about to switch blue sky and Twitter on my home screen. Yeah, it might be time. I feel man. Like it's happening. I think we gotta go. Wow. I think I'm we feeling gotta go. That, yeah. Yeah. The X really annoyed me. It's be, hideous yeah. <laughs> over there. Like it's it bad over bad.
1: there.
0: I feel bad clicking on it. Yeah, um, yeah. Juvenalia is juvenalia underscore pod uh, there for who knows how long. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. We have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash where we do our bonus episodes started, finished, where we talk about what we started and finished recently uh we've been a little bit lax in that because summer of real life and summer and moving house and all that kind of stuff but we're gonna do some more we're gonna do one right now in fact if, if sarah's tooth is up to it we will see um, um so yeah that's good it's five of your currencies a month depending on where you live uh, and you get bonus episodes and some outtakes as well stuff like that Um, thank you Dean MacDonald for our artwork thank you thank you to Cassie and Tall Tales for having us thank you again to Aoife Barry for letting us talk about the Princess Bride for
1: cheers thank
0: you bye everybody Bye.
1: bye